explain to you as a pastor the importance of baptism. So I'm speaking to those being baptized today and to this congregation about why baptism is important. Baptism is one of our sacred ceremonies. As casual as we are in this kind of a church, a non-denominational church, what that means is we're not under a major denomination. As casual as we may be, we are as passionate about our religious ceremonies as the most staunch Roman Catholic you could imagine or the biggest Orthodox church or the biggest Baptist church. Can I hear an amen? So do not take... For our casual dress and our low-key, you know, kind of cool mid-city here service set up in a storefront to mean that we don't take serious the religious ceremony of baptism like those do in stained glass windows with people dressing up like mother in robes having you call them father. Amen. Uh, you don't have to call me Father Joe, but I am a spiritual father today in many ways because we are going to birth souls in the kingdom in the baptismal tank. That is a representation of the birth canal of heaven. The Holy Spirit representing, or rather the water representing the Holy Spirit and making us new. And so what happens so often in a church like this we can think to ourselves that this is just church as usual and we'll miss the great importance of it. Now, I hope nobody does that, but sometimes they can. Even friends and family, when they come to visit, they're like, oh, this is the baptism? Where's the priest? Where's the stained glass window? Where, where is all of this pomp that I'm used to in my faith tradition? But don't get it twisted. I believe as much, if not more, in what we're going to do and a um, portable baptismal tank that is in an outdoor setting. I believe in that, if not more, than most religious people today. People who wear the collars. Why is that? Because I understand what it means to do the baptism. There are many religious people doing the baptisms, going through the motions, but they are not convinced of the power of what it represents. How many of you have ever come from religious backgrounds or religious uh, things before ceremonies and it didn't change your life? You went through the motions. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, so you get what I'm saying. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm not going through the motions. If baptism was not a significant event for Christians and if it didn't have power, I wouldn't be doing it. I only do as a pastor those religious ceremonies that are commanded in the Scripture and have the power to back up that they do and perform what they say they're going to do. When you're out there, I want you to ask yourself a question, and you're watching the baptisms. Don't look for the stained glass window. We'll be in God's creation, which is the best uh, decoration there can be. Amen. Uh, but don't look for the man in the collar. Don't look for the religious terminology. I want you, as you're watching the baptisms today, to see Jesus when he discipled his, uh, baptized his disciples, and when the disciples baptized their disciples, you tell me if it looks like that. Real testimonies of life transformation, of changed lives where marriages are different, families are different, fathers are different, mothers are different, young people are different. You see, you can baptize a pig and they're still a pig. You can go into McDonald's and that doesn't make you a hamburger. Are you all listening? 
So I could baptize a sinner and they can come right out a sinner if that's all they wanted was a religious ceremony. And it doesn't matter how I was dressed or what words I spoke over them. They would still be a sinner if they didn't take it serious. And you could come to a nice church, you could come to an amazing church, but that doesn't mean it's going to change you. What changes your life is an encounter with Jesus Christ. How many have been changed? How many know you've been changed? Amen. And so baptism for me personally, as one who has experienced it, is a reminder, is a symbol, is a ceremonial way to demonstrate to myself as an act, a motion, a physical touch, a smell, a, a way to physically represent what happened here in my heart. When the person comes into the baptismal tank, they come dry, representing a death, representing a dryness of spirit. Then in that baptismal tank, they'll be half in and half out, representing a point of decision, a choice of the will to decide to stay half in or half out, to leave with never being fully submersed, or to allow oneself to be submersed into water. Those who choose Christ make a confession of faith and then allow themselves to be submerged in water. There in that place of submersion, it represents the grave of Jesus Christ where he was buried. And there that person's old ways are buried in that water. And when they come out, they come out like Christ, resurrected from the grave. A new person soaking wet no longer dry, ready to touch those around them and to share the moisture of heaven. That's why we do baptisms. And for those of us who are here who have been baptized, this is a remembrance again of what our baptism was and what Christianity means to us. And so when I see people go back to the world as a Christian and they go back to spiritual dryness, it's like I feel pity for them because they have forgot their submersion. Their marriages are dry. Their spirituality is dry. Their mental life is dry because they have forgotten the submersion that God has for them in the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here today... And you would say, I'm a Christian, but you feel dry. Let the baptism remind you of when you were baptized so that today you cry out to the Lord, refill me, refresh me again, Jesus, so that I can know that you and I are this close and that I'm never the same again. And then for those of you here who are not saved and yet have not planned to get baptized, because we know there are those who have planned, but maybe you are here even as a friend or as a visitor and you have not planned to get baptized, and you hear the gospel, as I will share it to you here. If that is your choice to get baptized, we'll provide clothes. We'll make sure that you're appropriate, and you can be baptized today. Because even in the scriptures, people who heard the word the same day were baptized. Can I hear an amen? Now, last thing before I go to the scriptures, I want you to understand this, that some say, well, I was baptized as a child, so that should fulfill this religious ceremony. I should be able to check off on the box. I've been baptized. But the problem with that is that you don't find that example in the Scripture. Children are precious to God. They do not need to be baptized to have a place in heaven. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children. When you talked about faith, the greatest example was the children. Now at an age of, of accountability, at a certain point, teenagers, young people need to make their decision now for Jesus. 
And so heaven and hell is a reality then for young adults. But for children, should they die at young ages or those with special needs, these are the kind that the Lord has said already belong to the kingdom. They don't have a conscience yet of the sins that they've committed against God or needing to repent. And so in the scriptures, only those who are baptized are those who repent of sins. And of course, a baby can't do that. And many traditions, out of their love for children, and we respect the tradition that loves children, but out of their love for children, they've given now adults who were baptized as children a false assurance of fulfilling a ceremony that was never commanded for them at that age to begin with. In other words, I say to my Catholic friends, my Lutheran friends, I say, show me where Jesus ever baptized a child. Show me where any child is baptized, a baby. You know what I mean. Any, any infant, any little one is baptized. There's no example in the Scriptures. But every time you see baptism in the Scriptures, it's for those who can talk and confess and to renounce sin. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so today, if you have only as a uh, Christian been baptized as a baby, and you're a part of our church, we command you in the name of Jesus Christ to be baptized now as someone who makes a choice, not someone making a choice for you, a parent. You had no choice in that. But for you to make the choice and to be baptized and to honor the Lord with your confession of faith and your repentance of sin because we know sweet babies do not sin, but we know you have sinned. And you have to make that public confession this is a public confession of a sinner going to a saint from someone who used to be naughty to someone being nice, from someone who used to be dirty to someone being clean, from someone who used to not follow the commands of God to someone who will follow the commands of God. Are you with me in Romans chapter 6? If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. This is why we baptize. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's the reason why we're baptized. We're baptized as a sign, a symbol, a ceremony of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. November 5th, 1995, I gave my heart to Jesus. I surrendered to him, confessed my sins. And a short time later in Bible college, my professor said to me, similar to what I've said to you, being baptized as a child doesn't count. You now must make your confession of faith. Well, I said, well, I was baptized when I was in this church and I was a little kid and my mom wanted me to do it and all of these things. I was a little bit, uh, I was raised in a Protestant church where I could do it as a very young age and I got a free Bible and all, you know, and I remember this. And he said, no, that was not you confessing as you are needing now to confess. Now, can children be baptized? I allow that to the parents. I do prefer them to be 9, 10, 11 years old. Otherwise, they're going to run into that same exact issue. But this professor loved me, and he said, you need to be baptized and confess your sins. Confess 
that Jesus Christ will be the Lord of your life. And listen, brothers and sisters, as we were taking a field trip in Bible college to learn to baptize, because that's what we do as pastors in Bible college. We had to learn to baptize. We took a field trip to the local swimming pool. As we were there baptizing one another for practice, the pastor said to me, we are now going to do a true baptism, one for our fellow students. And that man baptized me in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And that is a precious memory to me because it was that day I confessed Christ before my peers and all witnesses surrounding me to let the world know that I was turning from my sins to follow Jesus. That precious pastor has now gone home to be with the Lord. And as I went to his funeral, it was a celebration of life. And I pray that I will be like him and be able to see many baptized in my life so that when I join him again in heaven, we can tell the stories of all the salvations that God has done in us and through us. What a privilege, amen, to see what we see today. Where in my life I used to use my hands for sin, And I used to use my words for vulgarity. Now today I represent to you a sinner saved by grace. Now seeing other sinners saved by grace. And that's why we invite into the baptismal tank other elders and deacons in our church, the leadership of the church outlined in the scriptures, elders and deacons. They will be there with some of their disciples, baptizing them as well in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that then we as a community can come around them and support them and say, I got your back, brother. I've got your back, sister. You're not going through this alone. That's what it should mean to them and mean to us. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Why do we baptize the way that we do? Certain religions have different ways of doing ceremonial washings. It seems like everybody today wants to get into the Eastern religions or to Hinduism and so forth, and they want to take on traditions that are foreign to us as a Christian people. But brothers and sisters, let us go back to our Christian roots. Many of us were raised under these teachings. Let us go back to them and honor them today as Brad Pitt honors his yoga and his yoga instructor, if you know what I mean. It's like if it's strange and weird, Americans will give it a try. But that old Christianity stuff, no, we've already done that, been there, let's try something else. As a hobby, I like to watch documentaries on cults. I know I'm weird, pray for me. So on Netflix, I've watched these various documentaries on cults. It's like... They're all the same in one sense. They come out new with some charismatic leader that says, hey, Bible, oh, we don't need it. Toss that aside. Follow me. And I've gotten to the point that now when I watch them, I say to myself, oh, here we go again. And then I literally say to myself, and it always comes true, how long does it take till the leader starts having sex with them and abusing them? Right around the third episode. You want God in your life? Well, here I am. They call themselves God. They try to convince their followers that they have some special technique, that they're going to set them free from their problems. They put them in these awkward situations, things that any normal thinking person would never do. One of the ones that I was watching was with Hollywood stars, and it got to a point where they had to show their dedication to the cult leader and get branded on their backside the initials of their cult leader. 
At what point of them sticking out their fanny and do, allowing the sizzling of their skin, did they say to themselves, whoops, maybe I should have stayed in the Christian church. Now I know some of you will be quick to point your fingers back at us and speak of all the scandals, both Protestant with our Jimmy Swaggerts and our televangelists to the Father Toms who did naughty things in dark closets and should be under the bright lights of courtrooms and in jail cells themselves. I know we could point those fingers, but notice in Christianity, we are always the first ones to expose that, just as I did now. I'm not ashamed of Christianity. I'm ashamed of false Christians. But notice in these cults, they build their religion on those things. That's their leader. My leader is not Father Tom being a pervert. My leader is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. My role model is not Jimmy Swagger. My role models are Peter, James, and John who laid down their lives for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today, that's why I, uh, I come to you and I want to compel you. Stick with Christianity. Stick with Jesus. Honor these traditions. And, and it's really come to that point. We're almost like strangers in a strange land. Maybe at one of these baptisms, there'll be a field trip here from the teacher that's a transgender. Hey, guys, call me Barbara. I'm taking you on a journey here today. We're going to see some natives in the wild. Okay, Barbara, where are we going? Well, we're going to watch an old-time religion service where they baptize their people. What does it mean to be baptized? Well, they believe God changes them. Like how I've got the Frankenstein surgery to try to change me into a woman. They believe that water changes them. And then we would say, no, 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 no. It's not the water that changes. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that that water represents. It's not us that does the changing, me doing the baptizing or the special words that the one being baptized says. It's not a magical incantation, though Wiccan now has outnumbered Presbyterians in America. No, we're not doing some witchcraft seance over these people when we pronounce the name of God. What we are doing is lining people back up to the Wi-Fi of heaven so that they can see the bars be in full effect. You're connected now back to where you came from by the Spirit. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say the bars and the Wi-Fi and all of that. You get it. What is baptism? Baptism is dialing back up to Jesus, getting connected again to God. It's saying, I want to be all in 5G. I want to be connected to my creator. I want to know God and be known of God. I want the whole world to see it. And brothers and sisters, today, that's looked down upon. You can talk about your culture like J-Lo and Shakira did. When they danced and shook their, what, their, what the mama gave them at the Super Bowl halftime show, and when I said, these are sinners doing sinful things, some of the Latinos in our church said, oh, Pastor, but that's our culture. You're speaking against our culture. Listen, J-Lo and Shakira are no more the Latino culture than Britney Spears is my culture. I do not have a white boy suburban culture. I have the culture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Christ over everything, baby. It's Christ culture. So if you want to know my gente, the La Raza that I'm in, I'm in the La Raza of the Espiritu Santo, of the Holy Spirit, people born of God. 
And so we need to teach our community this is what we do. Oh, we want the world to know about Islam. Learn more about Islam. Learn more about Hinduism. And we have a free country you can do that. But then the one that gets mocked on TV the most is not Hinduism. It's not, it's not the one that gets mocked the most. It's not Buddhism. When was the last time you saw a comedian dressing up like Buddha with a big belly going around handing out fortune cookies? And yet you got gay Jesus on Instagram. You've got hood Jesus on Netflix. You know, you've got get drunk Jesus. You have all this mocking of Jesus. You want to know why? Because there's something about the name of Jesus. There's something that sticks out about Christianity. And the devil says, leave that one alone. Leave that one alone. Focus all your time and attention on that one because he's the real one. And so we need to go back to our culture, brothers and sisters, and we, we need to say, you know what we do? We confess Christ as Lord. This is what my people do. Somebody say, my people. My people come from generations of those who were once nameless and faceless, unimportant to the world they lived in, and yet God picked them out and called them disciples. And what did those disciples do? They laid down their lives for Jesus. And they would have a ceremony to tell everybody what it looks like to lay down their lives for Jesus. And that ceremony is called baptism, where they confess Jesus as Lord halfway in, halfway out, partially dry, partially wet. They make a decision to follow Jesus. And then someone with authority representing God on earth baptizes them in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And as they come up soaking wet, full of the joy of the Lord, they are birthed into heaven. They have come from the birth canal as the water breaks, as a woman gives forth a child into this world, the water surface breaks breaks as they come out as a new creation baptized into Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I never heard it like that before. I thought you just went to the church and they sprinkled you with water. No, you don't understand my culture then. You don't understand my people. We are Christians. And we didn't used to do it in nice portable baptismal tanks. We did it in rivers and out in public to shame and mockery. There was a young man, David Lynn. He was baptizing people during the gay pride event. And there in the lake as he was baptizing those and their debaucherous outfits went out to the man of God while he was baptizing with that cheese whiz type stuff that you could spray on people for parties and was spraying it all over their heads, mocking these Christians once again, what would happen today on Chicago's news if we as Christians went to a gay pride event and poured things on them, spat on them, you know, did that silly string all over them? We would be arrested. We would be put all over the news. And yet they in their pride think they can get away with anything doing this to the Christians because we don't like those guys anyway. I think we all can agree we hate them, right Muslim, right Hindu, right atheist, right gangbanger. Can't we all agree we're, we're, we're just fed up with them? These judgy, 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 goody, two-shoe folks, we're done with them. And yet we came from a culture that used to honor the pastor, used to honor the church. And now the church is looked down upon as something that is legalistic and hateful and spiteful and bigoted. 
Yesterday we were out at the abortion clinic and about 100 plus people were walking in front of that murderous facility. But yet they were not screaming. They were not hollering. They were not tearing down that place. They were praying. And as I was standing out there already talking to the workers of that facility, I said, this is how we protest. Tell it to BLM. We don't have to tear down a, a city. We don't have to go steal your Nikes. We don't have to spit and yell at you. We pray. And we put into our prayers the steps of our feet. So you see us present in the need. And then I began to teach them about Martin Luther King Jr. And the books that I've read and the, the reason why he chose passive resistance as opposed to Marxism. And they started to laugh at me. And I said, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? There's a reason why the world changers of our society aren't in our hearts the ones who have killed the most or have done the most damage in that way. It's those who have stood up for a righteous cause and loved even their enemies. Martin Luther King Jr. said, let no man bring you so low as to hate him. He got that directly from Jesus that said, love your enemies as yourself. So as our culture looks at us in mockery and says, oh, what are they doing in that silly baptism? Take? What do they think they are? Do they think they're better than us? No, we're not better than you. We're just better off. We've been washed and cleaned by the blood of Jesus. I used to stank just like you, but Jesus got the stink out my life. You ever want to know what sin feels like? Come down with me to Mardi Gras and be in New Orleans for a little bit. Some of y'all have had some house parties that have gone wild and you, your, your cousin you know, threw up on the carpet and you know what I'm talking about. But you want to see what sin's really like? Come with me to Mardi Gras. I've been to 12 of them. The first thing you notice when you go down there is the smell. Oh, my goodness. Am I smelling urine, B.O., alcohol laid out on the street? What, puke, what is that? That nastiness is what all of us are like on the inside without Jesus Christ. And yet he sent his only begotten son to die on that cross so that spilling from Emmanuel's veins would be the cleansing for our soul. The bleach of heaven is the blood of the lamb washed over our hearts and our filthy filthy minds. You know how ashamed I would be right now if I had three of my friends do a tell-all up here before this service? I would be ashamed. Well, I knew Joe when he did this. I saw what he did to that girl. I was there when we robbed this place. I would be ashamed. I would hide myself under the chair in the back and say, nobody look at me. I'm embarrassed. That's why when I tell my children my testimony, I don't even tell them the half of it because I don't know if they could sleep at night or look at me the same. And you know what I'm talking about for many of you here. The pornography that you've looked at, the lies that you've told, the gossip that you've done, the hatred you've had in your heart, the things you've said about others when they weren't around, and many of you like me, the crimes you've committed. And yet the Father, he doesn't send an angel and say, you take care of it for me, boys. No, he sends his only begotten son. He sends Jesus, the joy of heaven, where he was already worshipped, where he was already adored. 
The story of redemption is not about a man becoming God like he needed to become God that somehow he's exalted because he wasn't before. He had already a throne before. He was already the joy of all the angels. The story of redemption is God becoming man so that man might become like God. And when he comes, how do we treat him? If God was one of us, just a slug like all of us. How that song goes. How do we treat the one that becomes like us? We crucify him. And yet he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He died for me. He died for you. And as that blood spilt, in the natural we see a man bleeding. But in the spirit we see heaven's cleansing agent. How many of you have been saved? It's because of the blood of the lamb. How many of you have had your hearts cleaned it's by the blood of the Lamb? Oh, you Christians, you just need the crutch of Christianity. No, man, we all need a crutch, but I'm going to tell you what, it's more than just a crutch. I need the healing of Christianity. Well, I'm so much better than you. I don't need that. Your therapist says that's a lie. People tell me all the time on the streets when I ask them, do you have time to talk about Jesus? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. That's not what your therapist said. Your therapist sees you coming around and says, hey, get ready, boys and girls. We're getting a raise this week. She's going to stay for three hours this time. Well, my mom didn't love me. I was abandoned by my father. I was hurt by three boyfriends, this and that. All right, well, come back next week. I got more to do for you. Nothing against counselors, but listen to me. This world is more drugged up on psychotropic drugs than we have ever been, and yet we're still sick right up here. We're still sick right here. Are you all listening to me? We have more technology than they had to put a man on the moon, and yet we are the most foolish we have ever been. And yet they mock us when we say, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it with me. What can make me whole again? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. They mock us. They make fun of us. And yet how many of you have been washed by the blood? How many of you have been cleansed by the blood? Oftentimes we talk about the suicide epidemic and they go, oh, that's just those young people. No, it's not. One of the highest rates of suicide is among retirees. Look it up. Why is it? Because they've raised the kids. No more sense of a duty towards that. Everyone's good. They've saved up their money. They lived out their career. What do I do now? And then now you see they have no answer. Might as well check out. You see, we're supposed to give our later years to the service of God, are we not? My dad said he didn't retire, he refired. He started at 70 years old in outreach ministry of Ocala, and they were just out preaching this past week. And my mama's 80 years old, still preaching the gospel, seeing sons and daughters be birthed into the kingdom. Isn't it fun serving Jesus? <laughs> Quickly in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, say, this is my people. Say, this is what we do. 
Amen. Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Think about it like this. There's a reason today the flat earth theory has died out except for a few Oompa Loompas online. God bless you. Some come to this church and I still love you, but I can't agree with that. There's a reason why nobody today worships the Greek gods except for a few weeks during Mardi Gras. And there's a reason today that none of us think that we are the center of the universe, but there's a big universe out there much bigger than our planet because we've got some telescopes. Why didn't Christianity die off like all those other beliefs? Why is it when you look at every major religion after Christianity, they're just cheap copies and imitations of it? Even though Buddhism, Hinduism came before Christ in his incarnation, the representation of what they look like today, they're cheap imitations of Christianity. Why is it that Islam imitates Christianity, wants Jesus on their team? In other words, whenever I talk to a Hindu, whenever I talk to a Buddhist, whenever I talk to a Muslim and I talk about Jesus, they say, that dude's great. I got him on my fantasy religious league. You know what I'm talking about, fantasy football. I got Jesus on my team. But hold on. Why did Jesus pay no mind to Buddha? Why did Jesus call all other people prophets outside of him thieves and robbers if they didn't come in the Jewish lineage? Why did the disciples say, watch out for people preaching a Christ, but is another Christ, not the real Christ? Because of this right here. Jesus is with his church. And it could have died out at any time. It could have fell apart. It could have been disproven so easily. I mean, hey, just find his body. They say it raised from the dead. Christians could have been so easily disproven. And yet 2,000 years later, think about this. You're in a church for some, with, with a pastor, with someone who used to mock Christianity as a young person, and now I'm willing to die for it. Most of you here, this is your first Christian church, though may, many of you might have been brought up for a little bit in it, but you didn't choose it. But for many of you here, that's why there's a lot of young adults here, this is your first Christian church led by a pastor who used to mock Christianity. How in the world did that happen? Because he's still with us. Think about that. He's still with us. If Christianity was something that I just bought into when I was going through a hard time in my life, why didn't, we, why didn't it wear off after a few months? Why didn't it wear off after a few years? Why is it today, almost 30 years later, and a doctorate degree, not only am I convinced of this belief system, but I am more convinced than I have ever been ready to lay down my life for it? Something happened in my heart, didn't it? Something happened in yours. For, for what I can tell, no one even made you come here today. Why didn't you sleep in? You, no one made you give a tithe and an offering. Why didn't you keep it to go out shopping today? Why do you support this church? Why is this meaningful to you at all? Most of you are young adults. It's something when I talk to some of the teenagers that we do have some of them now with our parents that are coming. We're getting older. I got some gray here now, and my children are in the youth group, but it didn't always used to be like that. The youth group used to be entirely from other people, mostly not even from the church because we didn't have enough uh, families in the church to have teenagers, if you're tracking with me. And, and now that my kids are old enough to go, sometimes I'll have them meet one of those teenagers 
that chooses to go. And I'll say to them in their bad attitude when they don't want to go, I go, think of the most funnest thing you would possibly want to do. This person can do right now. Their parents don't make them come to the youth group. They don't have to be here. You know, some of these church kids, I wish I could listen to Bad Bunny. I wish I could do this. I would. And then I point to them to a kid in the youth group. This kid can listen to Bad Bunny. Nobody's checking his phone or her phone. Why do they come? You're trying to run away from church. And they run into church. Somebody say, Jesus. You see, Jesus makes the difference. The church kid hasn't met Jesus yet. But that one growing up in that single family home on the west side, I'm thinking of TJ right now. He was one of the ones I used to use as an example. He found Jesus. He wasn't coming because his mama made him come. He wasn't coming because, oh, uh, you know, he just felt like he would make more friends here. No, he came here because Jesus touched his life. He gave up friends to come. He gave up staying out late. He gave up the parties. And that's where I want to make sure, brothers and sisters, you never get so hardened in your heart as a Christian. You get just used to this and don't think there's any power in it. There is power in the name of Jesus. The lives that you're going to hear now in baptism are real lives, are real stories, are testimonies of God's grace. And I believe they're going to last a long time. There are people that are in this church today that were once in a baptism tank like that. And what I have seen do in their lives, uh, God, but God has done in their lives, is nothing short of a miracle. I've seen drug addicts get saved, get baptized, never go back to drugs. I've seen those in the homosexual lifestyle get saved, no, no more going back to that lifestyle, now married with children. I've seen those who were spousal abusers, abusive to their children, get saved and never lay a hand on anybody ever again. Criminals. I've seen gangbangers. I've, I've seen corrupt people that had high-paying jobs got lost in that, and I've seen them never go back to it again in the name of Jesus. Band, would you come please as we get ready to do baptisms? How many know Jesus is with us? He is with us. Father, we ask you now to prepare our hearts for this wonderful ceremony. I pray that we don't just go through the motions, but there is a meaning that goes deeper than the symbols. There is a meaning that touches and changes our hearts. Lord, I pray for every single person here being baptized that this will be a precious memory for them, that they will always know and remember, God, that you have washed them clean by the Holy Spirit through the blood of the Lamb. Father, we ask right now for every family member that has come here or friend to support that, Lord, they themselves will look into their heart to say if, if they need to be saved and baptized. And, Lord, may they make that decision even today. Why put it off? Father, I thank you that in this church, Lord, we experience you because you are always with us. A few moments in your own words before we get ready to dismiss. Would you experience God right now? Start off by saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. If you've already done that, say, Jesus, I love you. I want you. I want to live for you. May I be saturated in your spirit today like the water saturates the baptismal folks. A few moments right now. I need you, Jesus. And I ask you, O oh Lord, to touch and change us right now. If anyone here doesn't know Jesus, and this is a time, this is a time then for you to know him right now. Altar workers are going to start coming up here, and they're going to line up in the front. 
When we get ready to dismiss, you can have them pray for you. And once again, no pressure. But if you want to get baptized today, you can do it just like they did in the Bible. The first time that you hear this message, you should be willing to respond and do whatever it takes. So altar workers, would you come? A few more moments right now, and then we'll stand up. Lord, look at our hearts. Examine us. Let the Holy Spirit put an x-ray over you right now. For some of you, you've already done this before, but you're getting cold. You're, you're, you're getting too used to this. You're becoming numb to how this is supposed to touch your heart watching others be baptized. You need to ask the Lord for a fresh baptism right now of his spirit. For those of us who have been Christians for a while and we always are doing our best, don't get tired, brothers and sisters. Think of the water today as refreshment. I was watching the Tour de France and how they ride their bike 100 plus miles a day to equal over 1,000 miles. It's just intense, but yet they need this water continually. And I was thinking about that, how much we as Christians need that water. Christian, don't leave out here without the water of the Spirit. And may we always know and love him. If you believe that today, would you stand to your feet, say amen, and bless the Lord with me? Come on, would you bless the Lord for his water, for his refreshing? Thank you, Jesus. If you could, I could have your attention, we're going to dismiss out this back door, or out this side door. We're going this way, this door right here. Can someone stand there for us, please? This is for those who want to position themselves ready to wait for us to come out there to do the baptism service. I say it like that because I don't want anyone to be in a hurry. All you're going to do is just get out there and wait. So before you go out there to wait, make sure that you have received prayer if you don't know the Lord. Make sure that if you know the Lord and there's been issues in your life, you receive prayer today and encouragement because we're not going to start that until this is done. So you're just rushing right out there, okay? Don't be in a hurry. This is a ceremony, but it's not something that's dependent upon us to rush it. What's most important for us is for everyone to understand why we do these ceremonies. Let me just share this quickly. They were drowning some of our Christians as a form of mockery to the Christian being baptized. So the persecutors would burn us on crosses as mockery to the cross, and they would drown us in water as mockery towards our baptisms. During one of the times of them drowning us, there was so much faith in the hearts of the martyrs that one of the persecutors said, let me die with them and may this drowning be my baptism. May my drowning be my baptism. Imagine being moved that much. You're just doing your job as a Roman soldier. Kill him, kill him, kill him. And then you're, singing, you're seeing them sing praises to God and worshiping the Lord to the point you look at your life and you go, if that's what living is, I would rather live it for one second than to keep on going where I'm going. So let this be my baptism. We come from a long line of brothers and sisters who have faith things that are unimaginable. And I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm saying this one last time before we dismiss first service. Let your day of salvation be today if you don't know Jesus. We won't hold you down under there. You get to come up from this baptism, but when you go down, your sins will go down with you. Your past will go down with you. And you will come up alive for Jesus. 
So don't be in a hurry. Talk to someone. Understand what we said. There is no manipulation here. I'm just making sure I did my job as a pastor. Because if that's how we used to do it back then, to the point where we were so inspiring in our, in our martyrdom that people wanted to be baptized to death, okay, then let's understand what we're doing now. We're Christians. We are people who do not live for ourselves. We live for Jesus. We do not boast in our churches. We do not boast in our, uh, our good works. We boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Amen? So after this prayer, you will be dismissed. Those who are getting baptized, we have a bathroom here for you to the side where you can prepare yourself. If that gets too full, we have ones that ushers can take you to. The rest, friends and family, can go this way. But as I said, please take time to pray if that applies to you. Father, thank you for what is about ready to happen in these next few moments. Bless us to be a blessing to this community as they even hear it through our loudspeakers. Let the one God barbecue in the Atachata hear the testimonies of God's grace come and get saved today. And may those being baptized, God, be set on fire for your kingdom. May they never be the same again as they live a new life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you, saints. You are dismissed. We're going to worship. Please receive prayer if you need it today. We'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, we'll see you out there in a few moments. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, power, Woo. power to change our lives, power to transform.